0: what's up y'all you're listening to the extra point college football podcast i'm your host jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host daniel hammock and first things first daniel we're going to talk obviously the the jt daniels transfer before we dive into the 2020 XPR, the extra point rankings. Uh, but Daniel, how's your week been, man?
1: Man, it's been good. Um, really good. Just getting used to some of this uh, summer weather here in Georgia. Um, it has shifted now from spring to summer. And so getting used to that with that recruiting starting to heat up and, um, you know, obviously getting some good news with some of these uh, teams getting scheduled to come back soon and players getting back on campus. So, you know, all around, uh, very good over here. Very excited about what's to come.
0: I'm getting more and more hopeful that college football is going to happen on time. Fans in the stands are not. Most of the games I'll watch from the TV, so that really doesn't affect me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm getting more and more more and more and hopeful that we're going to have college football. Biggest news this week that we got to talk about is Georgia getting JT Daniels? I mean, nobody saw this coming. <laughs> you sent right. me an article. Was it, was it Wednesday when it went down?
1: Yeah, I sent you an article and said, what what is going on? This does not mean, you know, it's, it's one of those that's just out of left field. I mean, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal um, and the ones that have, you know, committed. This is obviously the one that was the highest rated and also – had not determined where they were going. And we speculated a little bit about Tennessee, which is some stuff we had heard, uh, just the connection there with T. Martin. Um, But other than that, there was really not a whole lot to to point to um, with any certainty and nothing had really come out. But my goodness, it kind of materialized all of a sudden and he's on his way to Athens um, to, well, at least what we think right now is, you know, at least at this point, be eligible in 2021 and 2022 but um i'm sure he's applying for that eligibility waiver he already had to sit out last year with injury um so could be eligible this year i know he's he does have to apply for the waiver though so that is part of the process so we'll see how that yields itself uh, i would think which i think he would probably agree that the ncaa is probably going to choose to be more liberal about this and approve players due to the seeming inevitable legislation coming down next year where there's going to be you know, the one-time transfer rule. So uh, I would, I would think the odds are in uh, JT's favor, uh, the fact that he may be immediately eligible. So let's, I guess, assume that that's the case and that he is immediately eligible. What do you think this does to Georgia and to their, um, their pursuit of uh, a championship and just, Their overall stance in the SEC and I guess the nation. What do you think, Jacob?
0: I have a few thoughts. So one, it's been abundantly evident recently in college football that you gotta have a deep quarterback room, just like every other position. Problem is with quarterback, especially with the way the transfer portal has gone. When you have a talented quarterback, you're sitting behind somebody, they're going to transfer elsewhere. And we've seen that even at the University of Georgia, where Justin Fields sat behind Jake Frum and transferred elsewhere. So, But we've seen in the playoff, backup quarterbacks have to lead their team um, in the playoff. I mean, you saw it the first ever playoff with Cardale Jones, third string quarterback, leading Ohio State to a national championship. Um, it didn't happen this past year, but 2018 uh, in the playoff, you had, um, oh, goodness, well, I mean, Jalen Hurts had to come in and help Alabama get to the playoff.
1: In the SEC championship. In the SEC
0: championship. He was in the playoff two years ago. Clemson, uh, I mean, even in that season, you saw Chase Bryce had to come in and save Clemson before the national championship. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you see the importance of having a good backup quarterback. So, if anything, this adds a ton of depth to georgia's quarterback room with experience because you have jamie newman who's a three-year starter you have jt daniels now who's a one-year starter if he's eligible this year like i think it gives georgia this may be a reach this could give them the best quarterback room in the country because you've got former five-star jt daniels you got jamie newman who was a three-star but we've seen his performance in the field has been tremendously better and a redshirt freshman to the four-star and a true freshman to four-star quarterback and DeJuan Mathis and Carson Beck. So I don't think that's a huge reach to say Georgia has. I mean, they definitely have one of the best quarterback rooms in the country. You could argue for Alabama and Clemson because uh, they're you know they've got some five-star backups that are true freshmen, but with the experience Georgia brings, I think you, you know you could argue one of the best quarterback rooms in the country. And then lastly, I, you know, and I'll throw this back to you. If JT Daniels is immediately eligible, well, who would you choose to be your starting quarterback for Georgia this year?
1: That's a, a great question. And honestly, this is the conversation that needs to happen where it's, you know, Kirby is going to, his he's all about competition. And, you know, you can say what you will about who if he chose the right guy this time or that time or whatever it is, he's letting the players play and for the best player, you know, to play and lead, you also got to think, you know, um, I, I guess I'll, I'll answer the question first and then kind of get into it. But I think Jamie Newman at his stage would still end up being the starter. Uh, my hunch, I think also just the timing of everything, the s- more certainty around him, the, but just the fact that he's been at least, you know, studying the offense, whether or not he's been able to practice on field with with anybody To great lengths Um, I I do I would obviously lean lean Newman's way there's also something to be said about a contract year JT Daniels if if eligible still has three potential um, years remaining of eligibility versus Newman who he came here for his one shot to to play at a major uh, program on a major stage you know attempt to go to a college football playoff and then head off to the league so I think that you know between the two the one that has more pressure on him obviously is Newman and um I I just I I would if I was a betting man on it I would bet Newman uh to win the job but what this does is you know what you're talking about obviously a deep room but you also have just you finally have an elite backup for Newman that has um starting experience that's just invaluable and um, what it does for Georgia next year, which you know we can mention for a minute, is going into next year after Newman's gone, you've got a proven guy and JT Daniels going to compete with a true freshman, presumably Brock Vandergrift, five star coming in, He's committed now. If he obviously stays committed, which all signs point to that, if that's the case, then they're gonna they're gonna battle it out in the spring next year. So uh, JT Daniels, great great addition. I would still lead Jamie Newman's way um, as far as my expectations for this season to be the starter, but you know he's going to have to earn it. it. If he if he had any thoughts that he was going to get this job handed to him, those are those are out the door. And he's he's lacing up his cleats. He's making sure that he's he's out there if he wasn't already. Um, so definitely. Plus, this is just improves your practicing. Think about when those second reps are coming in those backup, those second string receivers, they've got a higher quality quarterback throwing them the ball. Just all those kinds of those little things that you don't even think about that, uh, that could go a long way into helping Georgia in their, their pursuit of a championship.
0: And I think it's the right call. I think Newman still starts, uh, you know, he, he was able to get in, uh, in January. And so I know they didn't get spring practice in, but he's been able to be around the team, been able to be around the coaches, has studied the playbook, presumably. Um, but I read, I read this week, uh, Brent Rollins of Pro Football Focus said, you know, if anything, this takes the governor off off of the quarterback run game for Georgia, because you don't have to worry about if Newman goes down, that you have an incapable backup coming in, like you had to worry about last year with Georgia. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it was protect from at all costs, and, you know, Georgia has a great offensive line, they were able to do that, but this year, you know, Newman has that running ability, I think it's full sin for, for Newman running the football, uh, but... I mean, here's a storyline for you that I think Georgia fans would enjoy is that week three in Tuscaloosa, Newman goes down at halftime with an injury and JT Daniels comes in and (laughs) beats Alabama in a comeback. So uh, I think that would be a storyline for the ages for dog fans.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how that would play out, but also (laughs) one thing that I, I really started talking about with this is, you know, when college football does come back, if there's, um, you know, in the in the wake of coronavirus, everything going on, what does this look like during the season? If a player tests positive and goes in quarantine, um, are they eligible to play? Is this how do, how does that work? You know, this is just so new and so fluid, it'd be it'd be difficult to speculate one way or the other. But what if it's your starting quarterback tests positive the day before a game? I mean in addition to that being stressful even if you have a capable backup imagine if you don't have a capable backup so those kinds of things come into play where you got to have the next guy ready uh to go no matter you know what position it is so um uh, just super valuable to have him he is coming off an knee injury so if you if you also had those questions uh you know it looks like is is acl so he sh- he should be you know he's cleared for for playing and stuff like that but if you know get a couple games under his belt get a couple hits uh you know you're not going to hit in practice that kind of thing so um from that perspective i'd also lean lean newman as well but uh nonetheless (laughs) newman has to come out for a play you're not worried if you send jt daniels into a game for a little bit um here and there so
0: definitely well let's shift and let's dive into the extra point rankings the xpr Uh, we have our post spring edition um Updated from last season a little bit, so now uh, max total points is out of a hundred, and so the you know the preseason is going to look a little bit different than than regular season. Um, the point totals are going to be lower for for preseason and post spring, but Daniel, first, I mean, give me your best team that did not make our our post spring top twenty five for the XPR.
1: Okay, so. You ask for one, and I'm looking at two teams.
0: (laughs) I also Um, thought it's two, so
1: go ahead. Well, the main two, to me, are Cincinnati, which people are probably going to, you know, be, well, I don't know. I don't know how many Cincinnati fans are out there, or how many people know how good Cincinnati was, or is, but Luke Fickle is a great coach, and the fact that Cincinnati is bringing back 10 on defense and returning their starting quarterback, I'm just it's difficult for me to just look past them after the season that they had last year um so that's that's number one i mean they you know obviously 11 and three last year seven won the aac the other team would be florida state who i swear my opinion is going to change weekly on them until we get to the season um i'm up i'm down i'm up i'm down which you know, we'll we'll do our our predictions for the for the divisions eventually, but um, yeah, Florida State. I mean, again, ten starters returning on defense. Uh, you and I have talked about it, where you're buying the stock. You like you like Norvell. We both like Norvell. That's never been a question. Um, but you said you know you like Chub, Chubba Purdy, that freshman that they have coming in at quarterback. And I'll be honest, I. I knew that James Blackman still probably had another year of eligibility, but I didn't realize he's still a junior. So um, somehow that's that's happened. But James Blackman at quarterback, um, has he been spectacular? No. Has he made some plays here and there? Yes. Would I trust the junior Justin Blackman over a true freshman Chubba Purdy? Probably would. Um, So if he does end up winning the job, I'm a little bit higher on them than I originally said. Um, so we'll kind of see how these things evolve over time, but yeah, Florida State um, and Cincinnati are kind of battling for the the first that um, we left out of that top twenty-five for me.
0: I know we're gonna get to this later, but just first thoughts without thinking too deep about it. Win total for Florida State at seven and a half. You going over or under for year one of Mike Norvell?
1: <sighs> it's so tough. I said I said under before when you and I talked off air. The more I've looked at it, I mean, I do really like D'Orville. Eight and four, does that sound crazy? It's Florida State. And that division's terrible. I'll go over. Yeah, it's Florida State, and you got to think.
0: I mean, the class of 2018 ranked 10th in the country. They're talented, especially compared to the ACC Atlantic. So, like, that class that is now juniors is really talented. So, they've not lacked talent. All right, you twist
1: I- my arm. They're going to beat Florida this year, okay?
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> now, you know, you, you and I have talked about it. I, from day one, said Willie Taggart was a bad hire. Oh, yeah. And two years into it. Same here, same here, same here. <laughs> well, you're right. So, uh, But Norvell, I'm saying from day one, this is your guy. Like, this is a great hire. And to get him into December, I think he's going to pay dividends, especially with with the way the offseason went. Yeah, I like it. Uh, my two teams, I'd also say Cincinnati – for a lot of the same reasons you said, uh, I love Cincinnati this year. I think, and we haven't uh, we haven't dived too deep into it yet, but I think Cincinnati might be my team to win the American Conference this year. And for them to get Luke Fickle back when he tried to get stolen away from you know, by by Michigan State, was um, pretty incredible. And I think that that shows he likes what he's got going at Cincinnati because you know, if he goes back this year and screws up he might not have that next great opportunity. So that tells me he has a lot of confidence in his team, a lot of confidence in his coaching staff, and for them to go and really contend for an American Conference title next year. The other team I would say is Iowa State. Uh, I think I bought stock too early last year in Iowa State. I did. And, you know, Iowa State, since Matt Campbell's been there, this is year five for him, but in the first four years, she went three and nine, eight and five, eight and five. So last year was supposed to be the cycle up year. And I threw ten and two out there and they went seven and six on me. So <laughs> lost in the bowl game. Struggle with injuries last year. I just this is a contract year for Matt Campbell. His name was thrown out for a lot of these big time jobs and he turned some down. I don't know if some didn't reach out, but if I you know, this is the year they need to cycle up and win 19 games. And so I like Matt Campbell a lot. I love Brock Purdy. So I'm buying into Iowa State this year. Uh, Again, we haven't gone game by game yet, but I think they're the best team that was left out of the top 25 uh, for me. With that being said, let's dive into who did make the top 25. So starting with number 25, the Washington Huskies. Number 24, the Miami Hurricanes. Number 23, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Number 22, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Number 21, the Memphis Tigers. Daniel, what are some thoughts on those, uh, that last group of five in our top 25?
1: I mean, I, I'm interested to see all of these teams, honestly. Um, you know, Memphis, or we just talked about the Americans. So Memphis, another, you know, I'm interested to see what they do without Norville. Um, you know, so their first year with Silverfield as their head coach. Is it just a train that keeps rolling. Is this a program that's been built to last or, you know, are they, are they more on, you know, a downturn? Um, and then, you know, we've both talked about Virginia tech a little bit, but I would probably, I mean, Miami is just super intriguing to me. They always just, it just seems like they always have a ton of talent on paper. Um, and then, you know, they, they get one of the big gets in the off season by getting, um, Derek King to be a grad transfer and come in there. Brett Lashley is their OC. Um, you know, I'm interested to just see that offense change again, and what that does with Manny Diaz and you know his his defense that he's built. Um, they're replacing some players. We talked about Quincy Roche uh, at D at end coming in, uh, and they've just got. I don't know. I think they've got a pretty good pass rush. So if they turned into a team that spreads you out, scores a bunch of points, and then, you know, I'm I'm almost thinking, what if they turn into like a Big Twelve type of a team in the ACC Coastal? What's that going to do to that conference or to that division? I mean, I don't know. I think their ceiling is ten and two, but I think they could go seven and five. You know,
0: I was literally about to say they're the ultimate Coastal team in the. Highest ceiling and a floor of seven and five. So, like, yeah, the fact that they could go seven and five or ten and two makes them very intriguing. Yeah, I'm very interested in Miami. Whereas I think Virginia Tech is more of a, I think they're going between like eight and four, nine and three. Like, I think that's where they are. They could go seven and five, but their ceiling is not as high as Miami. Where
1: but they have I think higher that, floor. Right.
0: Right. Right. And so, uh, yeah, Miami is the wild card because. I think Manny Diaz is a great hire. Uh, I mean, their win total set pretty high. Man, I just... Yeah, Miami, you and I have uh, talked off air about Miami, and we'll have to save some of that talk for when we record our ACC Coastal podcast here in a couple weeks. But I think I'm a little bit lower on Miami than you are. Yeah. But I agree with the ceiling. I just think that the ceiling is super high. And uh, Washington jimmy lake being his first year as uh as head coach as a head coach period not just at washington but jimmy lake man he uh he has been at washington for five years and before that he was with um chris peterson at boise state and their defensive coordinator who's taken over for uh, jimmy lake was at boise state from 06 to 13 and then has been at washington since chris peterson's been there and so chemistry wise like washington's not going anywhere I think they're still the second-best team in the Pac-12 North. I think they can still, you know, I think they're 8-4 and four to 10-2 in that range. Like, I think high floor still. I don't think the turnover, you know, from Chris Peterson to Jimmy Lake is going to be, like, you know, he didn't get fired. Chris Peterson retired and stepped away. So, Washington's not in a bad place. Um, Iowa is Iowa. They are a perennial top-20 team, and they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't. And then, yeah, Memphis, you know, probably should be the favorite in the American this year, even despite losing Mike Norvell. Um, but, yeah, I like this group right here.
1: Well, with that, we can go to the to the next little group, um, the next bunch of five there. Um, so we'll just go – I'll count backwards, I guess, from 20, which 20 is Tennessee Volunteers, number 19, Oklahoma State, uh 18 minnesota 17 north carolina and 16 michigan wolverines um it was <laughs> just a nice little meaty pack too uh what do you think about this group jacob
0: there's three teams that we've talked about that were we are higher on that they are ranked right here and that is north carolina minnesota and oklahoma state Uh, You and I have talked about that. I think Oklahoma State can really shake things up in the Big 12 this year. I think this is the most open the Big 12 has been in four years. Right. And so, like Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Oklahoma, I think any of those four teams could win the Big 12 this year. And so, for Oklahoma State to uh, return the talent that they return, they're going to be very intriguing to watch this year. Minnesota, um, I love Tanner Morgan. I love Tanner Morgan at quarterback. Rashawn Bateman at receiver. We talked about P.J. Fleck being a rah-rah guy, but obviously he's improved the culture. The floor at Minnesota has been raised. Last year, they had the hot start and couldn't quite get over the hump to win um, the Big Ten West. I think this is a year where they could go and win the Big Ten West. And the North Carolina is going to be the favorite to win the ACC Coastal. We're probably going to pick them to win the ACC Coastal, too. Like, there's there's good reason they're favored to win the Coastal, unlike when Michigan – excuse me – unlike when Nebraska was favored to win the Big Ten West uh, last year. But, yeah, they're eight. North Carolina will be the ACC Coastal favorite for good reason. So, uh, Michigan is Michigan. You know, in Tennessee, I think this is another cycle up year for Jeremy Pruitt. So, I think this is your your 8-4, and 9-3 year for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and one of the things about Tennessee, if we just talk, you know, about it from last year, you know, they lost to Georgia State, they lost to BYU early in the season. They finished the year so strong. I mean, if they win those games, you're talking about a potential nine win team, and they could improve this year. And you know, I just i I expect them to improve. Uh, we'll see, you know, quarterback wise, what ends up happening. I know everybody talks about quarterback. We really, I promise you, we try not to to go overboard with that. Um, they're going to have one of the best offensive lines in in the SEC and also the nation. Uh, we believe. Um, I I'll speak for myself. I believe, but you know, it is what it is. The uh, as far as the the quarterback, they could be starting a freshman. They could be going uh, with a couple guys who battled out last year. Obviously, Garantano. Um, He's been the guy that's been there for a little bit. Um, if they can get, you know, even consistently slightly above average quarterback play, even average quarterback play, you know, they could they could be an intriguing team. Oklahoma State, like you said, they just, I mean, um, that's just a, a fun team to watch this year. Um, and, I, you know. Why not them as far as in the Big 12 other than, you know, this, they're not the type of team that can sustain winning the Big 12 year in and you're out. That's Oklahoma. That's eventually a Texas if they get back, allegedly. Um, <laughs> those are those types of teams. Oklahoma State, though, they are definitely the type that can cycle up and win it one year every 10 years, you know, and this could be that year. <laughs> and I, I hate to seem so, you know, if it's even morbid to say it that way, but. Oklahoma State, that could be it. Minnesota, they're going to be fun. But, hey, I just want to talk for just a second about North Carolina. All right, we'll obviously break it down, but there's a reason that they're the favorite um, in that area, in, the, in that uh, division. And, yes, a lot of it is Sam Howell, and he had a better year than I even realized with, you know, 38 touchdowns, seven picks, uh, 3,600 yards. But, guys, they're returning 10 offensive starters 10 offensive starters and seven defensive starters I mean you know it's not all about starters it's about production and we'll get into that we'll break down some numbers for you whenever we do our, our deep dive and everything but just looking at that I mean
0: I'll just say they're 13th in the country in returning production so, so that's the the numbers aren't the numbers aren't tricking you there
1: no no no, no. that's significant and it's just uh specifically they're three starting wide receivers all back that's so important to Sam Howell and his progression continuing he's got a center back you know he's got his it's just everything like that is very important he's obviously returning you know four offensive linemen that's just it's just unreal how you know a team that They'll, they'll get to grow together. That's the, that's the point I'm making. They'll get to grow together. It's not one of these where, man, if they just still had this guy off of last year's team or that guy, they're going to grow together. This is going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, I if they don't go full ACC Coastal on us, I mean, shoot, they could win 10 games, you know, and they could, they could win 11 games. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get too crazy, but – they could give Clemson a game like they gave them last year. It could prove not to be a fluke. It could be something more than that. But, um, anyways, and then obviously Michigan's there. Michigan recruits every year. Um, yeah. Uh, what can what more can I say? They're gonna re- replace quarterback, all that kind of stuff. We'll see. I don't. It are they gonna beat Ohio State? Probably no. So, um, <laughs> quick but, answer. No. Yeah. <laughs> We'll save it for the breakdown. They're not going to beat Ohio State, but <laughs> you know, will Jim Harbaugh get fired? Also, no. Um, anyways,
0: let me give you a let me give you two games that involves two of these teams in Week Two. Um, I'm not going to say win or lose. Let me give you a point spread. All right, Week Two, Tennessee plays at Oklahoma, and given Tennessee 10 points, here are you taking there against the spread.
1: It's at Oklahoma. Tennessee gets ten. Oh. Can I ask you one question?
0: Yeah.
1: Let's let's pretend that you can answer this for me. Who is Tennessee's starting quarterback? Is it Harrison Bailey or Jarrett Garantano or Brian Mauer?
0: Hmm. Uh, uh. Just for the sake G- of the Garantano. Seconds. Garantano. It's week two on the road. We're gonna charge road. your freshman at Oklahoma.
1: Garantano. I'll take Tennessee in the 10.
0: All right. And then North Carolina plays Auburn in Mercedes-Benz Stadium week two. Uh, I'll give Carolina seven.
1: Carolina gets seven points against Auburn. (sighs) Man, you know me. I'm a sucker for points. I'd probably take Carolina in the (laughs) points. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I'd take Oklahoma uh, laying 10, but I think I'd take North Carolina plus 7. I'm with you there. I felt like those were good lines. We'll see if Vegas has the same lines. We'll see how accurate I am.
1: But I just don't. The whole Oklahoma deal with replacing people, and they're going to be good, and I really shouldn't sell them short like that, but I don't know. I feel like here's the thing. You know why I picked Tennessee? Tennessee's going to be up in that game. They're going to be up in the fourth quarter, and they're going to lose the game, but they're going to lose by, like, seven.
0: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if I believe. You know, I think Tennessee's cycling up. I don't know if they're cycling up to compete with Oklahoma yet. Um, but let's, let's go to that next group of five. So we got at 15, the Wisconsin Badgers, 14, the USC Trojans. At 13, the Texas Longhorns. You're welcome, Texas fans. Uh, at 12, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And out of 11, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, first couple thoughts with uh, with those five teams, Daniel.
1: I mean, would this be considering Texas being back, um, being right here, being in the thir- top 13 to start with?
0: You know, I heard a really great conversation um, on the Cover 3 podcast. Tom Fernelli kind of defined what back for Texas would be. Because I think, and he defined it really well, there really is a misconception of what greatness for Texas is, because I think the perception is that Texas has been this national championship powerhouse for decades. And that's not the case. Like 2005, let's look at the national championships, because I forget what all years they were.
1: Um, I mean, they jump around. It was like several, it was a, a long time before 2005. While you're doing that, I'll talk to them about Texas in general. Okay. I, so, I mean, returning nine defensive players, and Texas is, I guess, traditionally a better defensive team for the Big 12 than, you know, their other Big 12 counterparts. They're returning, obviously, Sam Ellinger, he's going to be the first name out of most people's mouth, but uh, Keontae Ingram, their running back, who, I mean, he had 850 yards last year, and he almost averaged nine yards, or not nine yards, carry. wow, almost six yards of carry, um, so productive. And then obviously you had the, the rushing from Sam Ellinger. He had 600 yards out of the backfield, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they bring back one of their starting receivers. The other one they're bringing in Tariq Black as a, a transfer. We talked about him. And then they've got, you know, three-fifths of their offensive line back. Um, I just, you know, there's they're, they're back at certain key positions where, you know we talked about Oklahoma state they're probably going to be part of the media darling texas is probably going to get some of that love it's probably going to be pretty split between the three of the three you know top teams with oklahoma texas and and oklahoma state so you know with it being an open year i mean ellinger's a senior <laughs> i hate to talk about texas as a cycle up type program but this might be your time to cycle up and get your one big 12 championship And, um, you know, maybe make New Year's Six or or see what else is out there. Maybe, you know, maybe something more for the Longhorns.
0: Yeah, this is the year to do it. And going back to the Texas Being Back thing, I mean, they have four national titles it's 1963,
1: 69, 70, and then 2005. So I think back would be in the. (laughs) Bring us back to, you know, the 60s and, you know, in 1970. Well,
0: that's the thing. And so I think back for Texas is you you need to win the Big 12. You need to be competing for Big 12 championships. I think that is Texas's ceiling. I, I don't think Texas should be competing for national titles every single year. Like, honestly, Oklahoma is that program in the Big 12. Oklahoma has been the most successful program in college football since the year 2000. So Oklahoma is the big brother in the Big 12. Texas is yeah. little brother. Like, And it doesn't need to be seen any other way. So that being said, this is the year to do it. Uh, Texas has beaten Oklahoma. They play really well against good teams. You know, Tom Herman as an underdog is a principal play. But they also skirt past Kansas. So, like, can you turn it on for every game? That's the question I have for Texas. And if they can, they are extremely capable. And this is the year they could win the Big Twelve. I might pick them to win the Big Twelve. All that being said, I still might pick them to win the Big Twelve this year. Yeah, uh, we'll see. But man, then you got.
1: Have you ever been to
0: a Bucky's? By the way, I have been to a Bucky's. It's life changing, from what I hear. I mean, if we're if we're going by Bucky's and Whataburger, they're a shoe in for the
1: college football playoff. <laughs> hey. You don't mess with that honey butter chicken biscuit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, man, this group
0: has – this may be the most interesting group of five to me um, in our top 25. Wisconsin at 15, Paul Christ is a consistency machine. You can you can pin, you can can sharpie them in for 9-3 or 10-2. That's what they're going to go. Like I don't, I'm not looking at their schedule, but they're going 9-3 or 10-2. So that's what's
1: going to yeah. happen. with Yeah. I don't have to look at it either. I know that
0: that's they could good. go 11 to one, but like their, their floor is nine to three USC man. They had a lot of injuries last year. Clay Helton has been on the hot seat since he got hired. Could this be the year they cycle up and win the PAC 12 again? Because in case we forgot, he's done that at USC Clay Helton's won the PAC 12 at USC. So it's not crazy to think that a team as talented as USC to win the Pac-12. Notre Dame, I think the floor has been raised for Notre Dame, and they've been so much more consistent really since the culture rebuild after the 2012 embarrassment to Alabama. Um, so, I mean, Notre Dame, same thing. I think their floor is 9-3. and three. And then Auburn, sophomore year of Bo Nix, Gus Malzahn has supposedly given up the keys to the offense. We'll see. Um, but, yeah. All very intriguing teams. Like, like, this group of five could shake up college football with a couple wins against the teams they play. Like, you could either be a playoff buster in this group and sneak into the playoff. Like, all of these five teams are capable of being in the college of a playoff, and you can they also ruin someone else's right. chances.
1: Right. They have, they have the path in front of each of them where if they have their best season, they're in the playoff.
0: They're in the playoff, so, all five of these teams.
1: And so that's that's really what's what's impressive. Uh thing counting against Auburn is that it's an even year. So, you know, it's just not going to happen for them. It'll be next year. But <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But, no, I mean, these. this is, like you said, it's a great group. Um, you've got a good mix of consistency with, you know, um, with a couple teams who it just may be their year in USC and Texas. So, um definitely a fun group to to talk about. Um with that we can go to the to the next group, which you know we're we're inching into that top ten. Um so at number ten, the Texas AM Aggies. Um sorry, Texas, uh number nine, Oregon, um, number eight, Florida, uh, sorry, Daniel. Um <laughs> number seven, Oklahoma, and then number six, your reigning national champion, L S U. Tigers. Um, so, obviously, you're getting towards the cream of the crop. People, if they're counting at home, probably know what our top five looks like. Uh, probably wasn't that difficult to pick it out. But just talk to talk to me about the six through ten here, Jacob. Uh, a team that you maybe think might be lower than they should be, or maybe a team that's higher than they should be, or just anyone interesting at all.
0: So I don't, I don't want to get too much into the the top five yet, but I think that we have three teams in this grouping that a lot of places have in the top five. It's LSU, Oklahoma, and Oregon. And so, you know, I'll start at the bottom, Texas A&M. So Texas A&M, we've been told for, like, since they joined the SEC that this could be their year to go and shake things up in the SEC West. And the closest they've been is the Johnny Menzel, where they beat Alabama. But even then, they still didn't win the SEC West. They hire Jimbo Fisher, pay him a ton of money. Kellen Mons a senior. Like, is this the year? A lot of people said last year could have been the year, but the schedule. Well, this year's the, the schedule is better. So does AM have a roster to go 11 and 1? Maybe, but the problem is you're going up against better rosters in LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. Like you haven't out recruited, you know you've out recruited Auburn the last couple of years, but again, like that's who you're going up against in that division. So, do I think Texas A&M is going to win the SEC West? I do not. Do I think they're capable of beating one of those three teams? I do. Are they capable of beating all three? No. Two of the three? I don't think they're capable of beating two of the three either. Um, Oregon will be the favorite to win the Pac-12, and they should be. Cristobal has raised the floor. He's a very different style coach than Chip Kelly was. And so he's definitely more of an SEC-minded, like, I'm going to build from the inside out, build up my lines, like, uh, you know, strength and conditioning being really and really important. I'm going to, you know, have – I'm going to be bigger than everybody, punch him in the mouth. But who starts a quarterback for Oregon? Is it Anthony Brown or is it um, one of the guys they've recruited? Florida? A lot of people are going to pick Florida to win the SEC East. I'm not buying it yet because of how large the talent gap is between Florida and Georgia. And it's not getting um, any smaller yet. Mullen, yes, you know, he's a great developer of talent, but Georgia's developing talent too. And so um, I think Florida will be a top 10 team. I think Mullen has, again, raised the floor at Florida to where they will be a top 10 team every single year. Uh, They got to recruit better to be on the, uh, on the level that George is at. Oklahoma should be the favorite one the Big 12 again. Lincoln Riley's been a beacon of consistency. Uh, he's shown that he can get a quarterback ready to play. Again, in the last three years, they've had two Heisman winners and one Heisman finalist. And so I'm just thinking that Spencer Rattler is going to come right in and probably be a Heisman finalist. So uh, right. the number is actually pretty good right now. If you're betting on Spencer to win the Heisman, I think that's a great value pick to win the Heisman, just because of the offense he plays in, the conference he plays in, the coach he plays for. Lastly, LSU at six. LSU, while they lost a ton of players, is still extremely talented because of the level they've recruited. Um, They will take a step back from last year, but that is a step back from... Potentially the greatest college football team of all time. So a, a giant step back could be 10 and two, like right. a, a step back could be 11 and one and lose the SEC West still. So right. that being said, don't think that a huge step back and LSU is all of a sudden going to lose to like Florida, Auburn, A&M and Alabama. They're not going in four. like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, LSU, will be interesting to me in that. I think they will be again, pick to lose a lot of those games. And they're going to come up and bite somebody and ruin someone's season. Um, and I think they could again finish. They could win the SEC West. They could. I'm not going to pick them to win the SEC West, but they absolutely could win it this year, and it would not surprise me if they did.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, this group is is you know A uh, and They're kind of well, we'll see. We'll see what AM brings to the table. I think Florida. Um you know, Florida, they're returning some players, but they're not – I mean, they, they bring their quarterback back. Uh, and Kyle Trask is a senior. Obviously, that's going to be the one everybody talks about. Kyle Pitts is a great tight end that they have. Um, and then they have a few of their offensive linemen coming back. They only have five guys from the defense coming back. So, you know, they did lose a lot to graduation and to the draft, obviously. So, you know, that's why Florida is eight and not five or something like that, you know, right. If right. Florida, if they, if honestly, if Florida returned a bunch um, of, of defensive players where I didn't think they'd take a step back there. Um, cause I do think they take a, a small step back there. Um, then I would maybe, I'd maybe be a little bit higher on Florida. Um, you know, cause Kyle Trask being back, I'd expect them to take a, a step forward on offense, but a step forward on offense and a step back on defense, I think they're going to probably tread water about the same place that they were. And like you said, they're not closing the talent gap on Georgia um, just because their, the recruiting hasn't quite been there. Oklahoma. Um, I am interested to see because, you know, they've got several starters returning on offense and defense, eight on offense, nine on defense. Um, you know, with that being said, it's like, well, you return nine starters to a crappy defense. Is it better? Are they better than they were last year? I would hope so. I think they would be. Um, you know, are, are you counting on the offensive, you know, offensive production around Spencer Rattler to be, you know, what it's always been? Are you expecting Spencer Rattler to raise the level of players around him? He could. He's. Just, it's just an unknown. It's one of those things where we don't know what they're going to do. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would think that they're probably going to be the best team in the in the Big Twelve, just because year in year out they are. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, I do think that them having Kennedy Brooks back at uh, running back, um, he he was their he's not their leading rusher from he's their leading returning rusher. Jalen Hurts actually led their team in rushing last year, but six and a half yards a carry uh, for him, and then um, Ramondre St- Stevenson. I mean, eight yards a carry last year. So uh, does that production stay there with Spencer Rattler rather, rather than uh, Jalen Hurts or, you know, the previous year, obviously, with Kyler Murray? I don't know how much of a running threat Rattler is, and is that going to change the offense too much for Oklahoma? But, um, yeah, like you said, LSU is definitely no no disrespect to LSU. A reigning champion usually is always going to be in the top four, but with just the sheer amount that they lost to the NFL, these are all great players, and they're going to replenish with more great players. That's why we said six; we didn't say ten or twelve or something stupid. They're going to be a good team again. Um, and I think we're both Mario Cristobal guys as far as the, the Oregon Ducks go. Um, he's definitely bringing like a an attitude to the to the Pac-12, and I, you know, I think he's. He's going to be there to stay for a while and uh, should be uh, should be at the top of that conference for a while.
0: Yeah, they should. And let's talk about the last five, or our top five. Uh, five, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Four, the Georgia Bulldogs. Three, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Two, the Clemson Tigers. And number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I will say... Again, our, our, the way our, our system works, a lot of what this goes into is talent. And Alabama will have the most talented team in the country um, this year just purely based off of, like, the players they've recruited. And so Alabama and Georgia. And so on, on Year and I's, you know, both of our rankings, we had Clemson 1 and Ohio State at 2 and Alabama at 3. Um, but, you know, the way we built the system – One SP plus Bill Conley system has them at number one in the country. And then they've out-recruited both Clemson and Ohio state. And so it was by, you know, they beat Clemson by one point. They had 88.5 in the XPR. Clemson had 87.5. Be our top five. I think the surprise there might be Penn state. Uh, Give give me your thoughts on the top five.
1: Well, um, you know, a lot of usual suspects here. And then, you know, obviously in the top five you have two SEC schools and two Big Ten schools, so really showing conference um, power and where kind of the balance and the power is shifted in in the country. Um, That's what my my first you know take is on it. Obviously, uh, Clemson, the outlier, the ACC uh, team, and you know we did both rank them number one um, (laughs) for obvious reasons. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne—that's what everybody's going to talk about. But you know, I mean, they're only they only returned one offensive lineman, so there's that that's going to be a story going forward. Uh, what continuity looks like for them, with losing losing uh, one, actually both of their offensive. They had co-offensive coordinators, and they both left. Am, am I wrong on that? I think they did.
0: I know Jeff Scott left.
1: Uh, the
0: USF head coach.
1: Yeah, Tony Jefferson was the other one I believe I believe he left anyways first of all just leaving Jeff Scott alone would be enough um
0: but so Tony Elliott was the he, co-oc and he's still there oh, now, okay. he's the, now he's the solo OC.
1: okay well so there's that so they that should that should help at least from that perspective of having continuity defensively they're gonna be stacked and they're stacking talent on top of talent um you know Clemson is who we thought they were you know they're, that defensive gonna
0: line be, is going to be unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Well, the fact that Brian Brissy and Miles Murphy are coming in and not starting, at least projected-wise, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know right there. Those are two of the top five players in the country last year in recruiting. So, um, Clemson's going to roll through their schedule to a point, um, and we'll see. We'll see how that materializes down the stretch. Will they lose the game in the regular season? Will this be their third straight undefeated regular season? I don't know. Um, We'll definitely break that down more as we go. But um, Ohio State, Penn State, I mean, how fun is that game going to be later in the season? The fact that they play each other, the fact that Georgia and Alabama have a scheduled game in September this year. I mean, you know, (laughs) what's – better than a top five than a top five that plays each other for the most part so this is going to be a, a fun ride
0: the top five that plays each other minus clemson because they play in the acc so yeah, yeah ohio state and penn state are going to play each other it's going to be a whiteout. out in, uh at penn state exactly. that'll be awesome the fact that georgia plays alabama in week three with a lot of question not a lot of question marks quarterback question marks on both teams and the a who's going to start <laughs> And, uh, and then who's going to play, and B, what's it going to be like? Because I think, you know, Jamie Newman, his performance way forward speaks for itself. I think people have questioned um, his performance against big teams, but no, nobody is recruiting at the level of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. They, they're in a tear-throw when it comes to recruiting. Um, Clemson just joined that group. You know, we talked about Clemson outperformed their talent and then got the talent. So, you know, now it's going to be an even scarier version of Clemson because now they've got the talent to match everybody else. Like before, you know, like we they've had, to, you know, class of finishes 8-9. Now they've got classes finishing in the top three. So they've won national championships with those 8-9 classes. Now they've got top three recruiting classes. What's that going to look like for the rest of the ACC? And then, yeah, Georgia and Alabama playing in week three. That'll be unbelievable. I mean, Georgia and Bama will probably be favored to win their divisions respectively um, for the most part. And then Penn State, Penn State to me is the biggest wild card because if they win that game against Ohio State, they have a one-game buffer. And so they win that game. I mean, you and I have talked off air. I think if a team is getting two teams into the playoff this year, it's the Big Ten. And the way that happens is Penn State wins that game and they win the Big Ten – And Ohio State has that as their only blemish, and they get into the playoff. I think the SEC could. If they did, I don't think it's Alabama and Georgia, because that means they would have, you know, potentially played each other twice already. Right. They wouldn't both get in at that point. If it did happen, I could see, you know, Georgia beating Alabama at Tuscaloosa, Alabama winning the rematch, and then Florida sitting there at 11-1 and and sneaks in. Something like that. Or LSU. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that could happen as well. But I like our top five. I think it'll be interesting to play, to see how it plays out this season. Alabama, the biggest question mark being quarterback. Obviously, you're going to take a step back from Tua. But, you know, Tua is a historic quarterback for Alabama. But the defense is going to take a step forward. It's still Alabama. And so it's not like you have someone completely incapable of quarterback. They're going to have a good quarterback, no matter who starts, whether it's Mac Jones or uh, Bryce Young. They're not going to be two up, but they're going to be great. So, yeah, I think Alabama, again, I think a lot of people are going to have Clemson at one and two. And then we get to be sitting here at the end of the season with Alabama as the best team in the country. So it's going to be a fun season, man. And next week, we're going to start going into you know, looking at win totals, predicting teams' records. We'll start with a group of five. We've picked out a handful, of group of five teams, and then we'll talk Notre Dame and BYU as well next week. Any final thoughts?
1: I'm excited. Let's do this.
0: Let's do it. Well, that'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. You can follow him on Twitter, at DeepSouthDaniel. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jacob Carnes. We'll see you next week.